Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. 90 hour work weeks getting you down. Well, they don't need to. Alyssa Flowers is on the show today, and she's going to show you how she has been able to write 10 plus books in the last couple of years with a 90 plus hour day job. Day jobs, day jobs, day jobs. Hey, this is Ryan from The Prolific Writer. Episode number 85, coming at you. Let's go. Welcome to The Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is your host, Ryan J. Pelton, and I'm so glad that you are here. However, you are hearing me in your earbuds, in your ear canals. Thank you for stopping by the podcast, the podcast helping you write fast, often, and well, and build a business and a life with your art. So, so glad that you're here. And today we have another great episode for you. AJ Flowers, aka Alyssa Flowers, is coming on the show very shortly here, and we have a great conversation. And uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, uh, she is a uh, author who has uh, a very stressful many hour uh, day job, as many of us do, and uh, and yet she's been able to be very prolific and find the time to write. Not only that, but to make make some money and have some success. And, uh, and I know it's not all about money and success, but, but she's not letting the day job get her down. And, uh, so hopefully this, this conversation with Alyssa will be inspirational, encouraging, and you can hear that, that it is possible and that most of us do write with day jobs and and there's nothing to frown about that. There's nothing that says, you know, you got to get rid of it or you're never going to be successful or never be prolific. And Alyssa is going to blow all that up for us. So how are we doing? We doing okay? We getting those words on the page? Uh, little little updates with me. Uh, did the NaNoWriMo this year in November, as many of you have, and at least heard about it. Uh, 50,000 word novel in 
30 days in November and uh, did my work on that. Got it done actually in the editing process, uh, getting that cleaned up, getting that ready to send off to the editor. It's a fifth book in a series called the Antique Assassin Crime Series. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I don't think I have a title for the book yet, but we'll have that. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun story, kind of crime adventure, crime thriller stories and uh, working on that. So hopefully you're working on the the things also, I got another thing kind of in the work is I'm, I'm working on a, a, a writing book, uh, that, uh, I've talked about in the past, but this is actually just a different, this is actually be free. And so hopefully you'll uh, find it enjoyable us writer types. I'm always looking for, uh, new writing books, new inspiration, new tips and tricks and things. And, uh, I'm working on that as well, putting some articles together that I've written in the past and cleaning that up. And, and hopefully it'll serve you, uh, in a lot of ways. And, uh, hopefully this book will be unique in the sense that it's not just about, uh, marketing and it's not just about the business side, but it's about inspiration. It's about, uh, the craft and, uh, and also kind of getting underneath the things that keep us from, from creating and writing and things like that. So working on that, um, we're going to get that put together, sent off to my editor as well, clean that up a little bit and get that in the world. And I'll let you know when that's available and it should be free. So I'm making that a free resource and, uh, hopefully that'll help you in your writing journey, wherever you are. Um, as always, thanks to the project entertainment network and the host of podcasts. There's about 21 at this point. And uh, if you'd like to support this show, uh, by also supporting the project entertainment network and all the great shows there is we have a Patreon page and we're going to put that in the show notes, uh, where you can support us and, uh, you can get free stories and other swag and other cool stuff. All the information will be there on the, on the show notes and, uh, yeah, hopefully that will serve you well. So thank you for listening in every week. Thank you for your great comments and, uh, ratings and reviews and kind words and questions and uh, keep them coming. Email me, social media, me, social media, me. Is that a thing? I don't know. Uh, it could be, uh, but, but hit me up on the, on the socials. Um, I don't, I don't live there. I try not to live there. I found it's not great for your soul, but I, I do show up and occasionally and, and, and check in once in a while. And sometimes just check right out because it's the same stuff. Um, but I love hearing from you, um, about writer stuff or questions or, or guests, uh, interviewers, um, interviewees that you want to see on the show, uh, please let me know so I can stalk them and find them and hunt them down and get them on the show. And many of you have done that. And so I found some great authors through that. So please, please do that. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Alyssa flowers. Welcome everyone to the prolific writer podcast. I am so privileged and honored today to have AJ flowers on the show, a fantasy writer and uh, AJ, why don't you say hello and uh, tell us a little about yourself. Hi, uh, AJ flowers here. You can call me Alyssa. Um, I write fantasy. I have a little over 10 books out, um, mostly in the epic fantasy and the young adult area. So, yeah. Well, great. Well, hey, it's great to have you on the show, Alyssa. And uh, I reached out to you because uh, you have a, have a great story. And, and one of the things that I think is uh, such a, a challenge for most writers is that many writers, probably most writers have day jobs. And you've been able to manage uh, a very stressful, a lot of hour day job and write a lot of books and, and have some success. And so I'd, I'd love to just talk to you about that today and, and hear a little bit about your story. And uh, so tell us just a little bit, why don't you just tell us right from the beginning, kind of tell us about your last book that you wrote and published 
and uh, what it was about and kind of what genre and, and anything, anything else you want to tell us. Okay. Uh, the last thing I wrote was my Valkyrie Allegiance series. Uh, it was a trilogy, rapid release, and I wrote all three books in two months <laughs> and full start to finish edit, and I was super excited about it. And I actually, my process is I buy the covers before I write the book. And I had written about half of this book before I had the cover, but then I saw the covers and then I was like, oh, that is exactly what I'm trying to write. So it helps me kind of focus. And uh, I got these from Rebecca Frank, which she's pretty popular. Um, so when I uh, saw that, then I got the, the three books in my head and I just started writing them and they came out. I had a little bit of trouble with book three because it was not exactly how I outlined it or how I pictured it. So I had to stop and be like, oh, my God, OK, she's not choosing the love interest I picked for her. What am I supposed to do? So, you know, characters don't always do what you want them to do. But the readers loved it. And I'm super excited about it. So, yeah, that was my latest series. And I'm taking December off, taking a break. So. Yeah. Well, I imagine. Yeah. That, I mean, I think one of the, the benefits and the, the blessings is I'm hearing more authors do this is kind of the rapid release strategy mm-hmm. is, uh, and then it gives you a little, little bandwidth to kind of, you know, take a break and, and yeah. uh, get your creative you know juices going again. And, and, uh, so, so talk a little bit about that. So you write, uh, primarily fantasy, is that correct? Yes, that, yeah, that's correct. That That's where I think I struggled because when I first started writing, I was really, epic fantasy, but I also love young adult fantasy, and those were two very different beasts. Mm -hmm. So as far as my marketing side, I'm kind of all over the place, but I just am putting books that I love out there one after the other. Mm -hmm. So this latest one is kind of a mixture of the really epic fantasy, urban fantasy, young adult. So it's not the most marketable series, but I have learned how to write quickly and be prolific, and I can keep myself above water even if I'm not being the perfect marketing example. Well, yeah, and I, I think that's you know part of the part of the reason we started this this podcast too is just this idea of being prolific, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the the you know it doesn't mean you have to write you know three books every two months, but uh, but you know consistent releases, and that really does help your marketing because you always have something you know coming out soon. Yeah, and if something doesn't work, hey, that's fine because you have another one coming, and, and you mm-hmm. know, that one may work. And uh, so let's talk, let's talk a little about fantasy. So fantasy is always interesting to me because uh, you know hardcore fantasy people. You know, typically, and I you know, again, totally correct me if I'm wrong. I don't write fantasy, but what hmm. I've heard is, you know, th- they tend to be on, on the longer end as far as length. Um, yeah. ha- have you found, you know, that is that pretty pretty standard? I mean, when you write a fantasy book, usually they're you know eighty, ninety, hundred plus thousand words. Is that how, how long are your books? Well, my books tend to be a little on the shorter. I'd say more like sixty to seventy ish. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first wrote my epic fantasy series, my my first like flagship series, which is Celestial Downfall, um, which is an angelic series, it start it was like the first book is three hundred thousand words, and you know that was just me being a new author and I didn't know anything, and mm-hmm. so I broke it up into three novels, and you know readers were fine with that. That I think they're used to the indie way of you know kind of making a concise story and not making it so long, mm-hmm. and. I do want to work towards making the the longer stories. So I do think there's nothing holding, uh, nothing against you if you have the longer story. And the real, real epic fantasy readers are going to want those longer stories. So I, I think that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's important. What you said is is you know every rule kind of gets broken, and that's okay. I think you know I, I I've rarely had a you know reader say you know hey that book was only sixty thousand words. I need it to be seventy. You know. If, yeah. if, <laughs> 
you know, sometimes the, the story has to be the story and sometimes it's longer, mm-hmm. sometimes it's shorter. And, and if you write a you know, good story, again, it's not going to matter in the end. Um, you know, and, and I think there is that sense of, you know, when we pay money to, to buy a product, whatever that product is, of course we want, you know, kind of the bang for the buck and we want to, mm-hmm. we want to have a, a long, nice experience. But, but at the same time, like if that's, yeah, if that's what the call, the story calls for and it's 70,000 words or 80,000 words, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. so let's talk about a little bit about fantasy. So, uh, you're, you know, predominantly a fantasy writer. Tell us a little about kind of, you know, how you got into that genre or some, <laughs> some of your early kind of influences, stuff you read, uh, movies, TV, what, yeah, what yeah. have you. Well, so I'm, uh, I grew up on an island. I'm from Key West, Florida. Uh, so there wasn't really a lot to do there. And I wasn't a big water sports person either. So books was pretty much all I had. Books and video games. And of course, the video games were limited by the parents. So books it was. <laughs> so I think I read the entire library of my middle school, which is not that impressive. It's a small library. But, uh, you know, I, I read a lot and I was really creative. And I did, I tried photography. I tried uh, art, and I was really artistic. I remember I won this uh, comic contest in high school, and I won for the county. It was it was like three sentences long. It's like a little comic, and I got five thousand dollars for it. And I think that's the biggest paycheck I've ever gotten, even now, <laughs> at once. So, um, but just being exposed to all of that creativity when I was younger, and then I finally realized that I wanted to write a story because I kept going back to well, all of these images I'm drawing and all of these things I'm making, they're trying to tell a story. So in college, I wrote um, my Celestial Downfall uh, trilogy. And it took me, I don't know, uh, through high school and college and after, it took me like 10 years just to get through it. It was very on the side when I felt like it. And I didn't take it super seriously. Uh, but, uh, oh, sorry, Skype went out. Are you still there? Yeah, no, you're good. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I just turned off the video. We're good. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Um, so when I decided to uh, to take writing seriously, uh, that's when I started going towards uh, critique groups. And, you know, I, I had my first novel finished. And I was like, wow, I actually finished a novel. I think that was like the first step you realize you want to take something seriously. So I submitted it to Tor or something. You know, of course, I had the starry-eyed author image of, of what being a published writer meant. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very kind. They sent back this, uh, this uh, w- like, one-sentence feedback, like, improve your prose. <laughs> and I remember I was like, it, it's exactly what I needed to hear. I was such an, a new writer, and I had no idea. So I, at the time, I, I didn't even know what prose meant, so I had to go look that up first. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, then I got into the critiquing workshops, and, um, the in-person ones didn't work so well for me because it was more authors kind of talking about themselves and not being so open to critique. And that's when I went looking online and I found scribefile.com and I made some really good lifelong friends on there that I still talk to today. Um, so I have that real big, I'm really big about foundation and quality. I almost have a, a traditional author mindset, which I actually think hurts me in the indie world. The indie world is more about being super prolific. So I'm, I'm almost becoming like a hybrid uh, without the, tr- without the publisher behind me. You know, I have this mindset of super quality, but I want to be able to put books out faster and give the, the indie audience what they like, which is we want books and we want books now. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just want a good story. Right. No, I think that's really important because I, I think that that's one of the, the negatives or one of the, you know, stereotypes is that, you know, if you're indie, there's no quality, you know, it's just, you know, throwing books out there and, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully people like them. But, um, 
but yeah, I, I think people are starting to realize that indie doesn't have the stigma it once had. And, and there are a lot of quality books and there's a lot of terrible books and that's traditional <laughs> and, and indie, of course. Both sides. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's like when you look at your books and your covers, I mean, they're very professional and Thank obviously you. you're, you know, have great reviews and people are finding your stuff. And, and, and again, like no one's going to know. I mean, that's the thing. It used to be it was very obvious, like, oh, that's indie published or self-published, but now mm-hmm. you can't really tell. And, and I think that's an important thing for our, our audience to, to think about is, you know, having that kind of traditional mindset. And I think once you, once you publish a few things, you actually tend to slow down a little bit um, mm-hmm. because you're not in such a hurry to kind of get a few things up, especially if you don't really have anything on your digi- digital bookshelf, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, you want to get some product out there, but then you're kind of like, you know, Hey, I need to, I'm getting better at this. I want to take my time. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not as hard. Mm-hmm. It, it might take just as long, but it's not, there's de- definitely a, a higher quality, which I yeah. think is so important. You don't, and you learn from, from doing that. Um, it, so, so tell me a little bit, um, you, you mentioned kind of critique groups or, or other people, even online, mm-hmm. what, what, give us some like examples of, you know, what, what did that look like? I mean, do you come with like a, a chapter? Do you come with a book? Do you, you know, oh, how's, oh, yeah, a, how's yeah. the feedback work? Uh, so on scribe file, if you start out with free, you can only do like a, maybe, I think it's like two chapters at a time. I haven't used it for years. Uh, but back when I was using it, I think I, I did it for free for a while and I really liked it. So I got the paid membership, but it wasn't that much. I don't remember exactly how much it was. Um, and then I found you know, the, there are certain uh, groups in there. It's kind of like Facebook, but for writers and you can find these groups and they have kind of entry requirements and they take it very seriously. So I found Uber group uh, and they have, uh, I think Miranda Hopefler is, is from Uber group. There's a couple of really popular uh, indie authors that are from there and, and they're all about super quality. And uh, so it was a great place to, to learn and how it worked is um, for Uber group, it was kind of by book. So you would join the group and you would have a couple of uh, members working as a team and you have these cycles. So you would make agreements. Uh, I don't remember the exact details. It's been a while, but, you would make agreements, okay, for this week, everybody's going to critique uh, one chapter, and then you give feedback to maybe two or three people, and then two or three people give you feedback. And uh, so it was really, really helpful to to see multiple thought process from people who, who have been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to find people who knew more than I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great to find someone on your same level, but I really wanted to learn a little faster. Mm-hmm. So that helped a lot. Yep. No, that, that's really great insight. I think you're always looking for people that are a little bit further ahead than mm-hmm. you, you know, maybe a f- few books ahead or a few years ahead. Yeah. There's always, I think, great wisdom to learn yeah. from that. You know, if you're, if you're just, you know, it's, it's funny, like I have, I have a young family and young kids and it's, you don't learn a whole lot from people with young families and young kids. It's the, those whose, <laughs> you know, kids are out of the house and that have made it through. And it's like, just tell me, you know, someday I'm going to sleep. Is that going to happen? Right. Just um, give me hope. You know, prom- <laughs> promise me that. Right. And my kids aren't going to be totally total monsters. Uh, so yeah, it's, it, it, I think that's really important. And I think, you know, what you're describing too is such a, a vital part of writing. And I don't think people think of it, about it enough is kind of mm-hmm. the communal aspect and the community that, you know, you need people in your corner, you need support, you need help, you know, help with, with your work. Um, and I think, you know, and maybe you found this too, is that when you get an opportunity to critique other work or, or evaluate other work or edit other work or be a beta reader or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you actually learn more, you know, about, 
craft mm-hmm. too, and you can learn from them. And, and just by, by kind of becoming the teacher a little bit, you actually kind of, yeah. kind of learn how to, how to bring that into your own, own writing. And I think that's really yeah. valuable. I agree. I think the biggest thing I learned from that was um, when you're looking at someone else's work, you're not emotionally attached to it. So you mm-hmm. learn to have a critical eye and that helped me not be so emotionally attached to my own work. And I mm-hmm. could kind of take the blinders off and see, Oh, I am doing that wrong. You know, it's just stop being stubborn about that. So it was definitely a very, very helpful experience. And you know, uh, not all the authors need this kind of foundation, but uh, it, it certainly doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, great. So uh, let, let's let's go back a little bit. So grew up mm-hmm. on an island, not a lot of uh, <laughs> media, you know, grew up yeah. uh, with a few books, read all the books that were on the island and, uh-huh. uh, you know, started writing and, and things like that. So so take us through a little bit kind of the, the first you know, you, you mentioned like some contests and things, but I mean, that was probably when you were mm-hmm. a little younger, but let, let's yeah. talk about kind of your, your first kind of full novel that you actually put out there for people to buy and, and, okay. sh- and show people. So, so how did that first novel go? Uh, so the first novel was, was the one that I, I completely rewrote after going through the, the critique process with Uber group. So they, they all had read it and, and helped me to, to dissect it. And there's things I had done correctly and there's things that, that, definitely could have improvement so I pretty much rewrote the entire novel I changed it um, from first person to third person you know it was it was a whole thing <laughs> so um, after I finished rewriting it um, I started with just the first book I, I'm trying to remember it was, it was two years ago and I've written 10 books since then <laughs> so um, so I put the first book out and I had no idea what I was doing but I just tried everything I had my I had a writer's blog at the time I've, I've focus less on the blog, but I still have it. Um, I tried uh, contacting book reviewers. I tried uh, just going on to, to Goodreads groups and you know all of the early things that you try to do when you're putting a book out there. I didn't know a whole lot about advertising and I didn't have a whole lot of money to play with either. So I, I started with a do-it-yourself cover and you know, that's a great way to start mm-hmm. for sure. So once I got my first book out there, I made enough to uh, redo my covers before my second book was out. And I'm trying to remember how this went. I think uh, it took me a year to go from book one to book two. And then it was about, I don't remember if it's correct, but I think it was six months later I finished book three and I had all my new covers. And I actually plan on, on uh, redoing them again next year just because I'm addicted to covers and mm-hmm. I would like to refresh the, the series because I have some more books planned for it uh, so I, I, I did everything wrong I published it out of order like I have the timeline at the at the ending almost of this epic world story and I have this big trilogy of this epic ending but there's three books that are not uh, part of the story yet that I am writing that needed to come first I just didn't know how to get that order out correctly so that's what the republishing in 2019 is going to be about so that's one of my plans, and it helps me still get a book a month out if I'm just rewriting a couple of what I have, and I'm making them better, and I'm putting new content in there. Mm-hmm. And so my readers are excited about it, and so the, that's one way that I can still be prolific, because I haven't mentioned this yet, but I have a, a separate pen name I'm starting also uh, next year, <laughs> but um, it's a secret pen name, so I can't say what it is, mm-hmm. but uh, I wanted to try something in a different genre. So, you know, I'm so prolific I, and I have these republished plans going on. I'm like, oh, I have time for another pen name. I'm crazy. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. And, and that's I mean, what you're saying is, is actually really important. I just heard a, 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 
uh, Dean Wesley Smith. He's you know very prolific and been around okay. for 40 years. And, um, you know, he was talking about that, you know, in the indie world is, you know, it's really good to kind of refresh, republish some of your work, even, you know, after a couple of years. And, and he was talking yeah. actually about mainly about covers, you know, he, he was saying, you know, you don't, you don't have to rewrite the whole thing, but, um, but, you know, looking at the covers and saying, you know, are these covers kind of today, do they fit the, the genre today? Um, because if you go look at, you know, books from the eighties or nineties, you know, let's say thrillers or mysteries or fantasy, you know, they're going to be very different than, than mm -hmm. the covers you'll see today. And, and I think that's important. And it also kind of gives like a fresh look, you know, you can get new, new customers and new readers and, and, and say, Hey, you know, this has been out, but you know, a new cover kind of goes, Oh, what's this? You know, this is something mm -hmm. different. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not, you're not tricking people, but you're just, it's just another way to kind of say, yeah. Hey, I'm here and I've written all these things. And, um, you know, and I've done that a few times and actually it's very helpful, um, you mm -hmm. know, to find, find new readers that way. Um, you know, redo your blurbs, redo, you know, some of your, you know, sometimes your the inside needs, you know, some help or the story or, or whatever, but, um, yeah. but yeah, no, that's, I think that's really, really great. Um, so, so tell us, uh, just a little bit. I, I, you know, one of the things that I, I find, uh, I think important for people to hear too, is that you can be a prolific writer. You can be a, you know, successful writer and, and have a day job. And so, mm -hmm. so talk, let's talk about the day job. Cause yeah. you know, that was actually where I found one of your posts, was, <laughs> you know, just, just kind of an inspiration encouragement, like, Hey, I got this day job, but I'm still writing and I'm still putting stuff out. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can do it too. So, so talk a little bit about kind of how you navigate, you know, writing with the day job and, and what are the, you know, the pros and cons of that? Uh, yeah, I, I actually didn't realize I was kind of, I was maintaining those hours. Uh, I published a book a month from May with two books being published in November. So that's seven consecutive months for, I think, eight books. <laughs> so I, I got to the end of that. And that's where you saw that post in November. And I said, wait a second, I've been working a full time job, and I've been putting a book a month out. How many hours have I been spending on these books? And I calculated it, and it was 40 hours. Um, I work for uh, automotive OEM as an engineer. So my day job can range anywhere from 40 hours to 80 hours in a week. You know, so it's it's really crazy. And um, it's slowed down a bit now because we got past a critical stage in development. But um, a few months back, we were in the thick of it. And it was really crazy before production of tooling kickoff and all of that. So um, it was really hard. So the, my, my process is that... Um, I just make the time for writing and I have uh, an author team by now. Cause you know, as I mentioned, I started out with the do it yourself cover. I did the free editing through the scribe file and um, you know, I, I did all of the things that, that didn't cost me money. And then when the royalty started coming in, then I could put it back into the business. Mm -hmm. So now I have, um, I have one author assistant who runs my newsletter. Um, I have two editors. I don't always use both, but um, like for my Valkyrie series, for example, I use um, one developmental er editor just for book one because I knew something was critically wrong with it. And I could have done it on my own. I just didn't want to spend the time. And so she looked at it, um, sent me a 10-page report and uh, had markings on every page. And so with her edits, I added 20,000 words and I fixed the structural problems. And I think that took me like two days. <laughs> so um if you're managing your time correctly and you're being really aware of what you're doing, it's possible. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think about how, Oh, uh, of course I have to mention my husband. <laughs> he, he does all of the grocery shopping and he does uh, the cooking and he really helps, helps me a lot. And you know, right now he's probably wrangled the cats away. So you don't hear them yelling, <laughs> mm -hmm. but um, 
So uh, lately, my process has been I'll get up at like 5 a.m. And I am not a morning person. So th this is where the excuses come in. Oh, I'm not a morning person. I, I can't do that. Uh, trust me, I am not a morning person. But I, I said, well, this is the only time of day where I, you know, I get migraines also. So this is the only time of day I know I'm not going to get a migraine. I know I'm going to be fresh and awake. I just need a cup of coffee. So I just really forced myself to, to get into the habit. And the second I get up, I go get a cup of coffee and then I go sit on a computer and then I write for about three or four hours. Mm -hmm. So uh, if, if there's nothing critical going on at work, I don't have to go in super early. So that's one benefit. Usually the fires will pop up around like 4 or 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. And so I, I usually stay until maybe 6 or 7. So it, it kind of shifts the day. So that's why getting up early works because I can spend a good chunk of my day just writing. Um, and I utilize writing sprints. So I'm, you guys talk about it all the time, I'm sure. For me, the 15-minute the sprints work the best. Um, if, if I do any shorter than that, it's not long enough for me to get a scene out. If I do any longer than that, I start to not be disciplined enough and I get distracted and I want to do something else. But if I have like a very simple plan, I have like a, a one or two sentence uh, outline of what I'm going to be writing, then I can just sit down and write. And my average is about 700 words per 15 minutes. I can't do 15 minutes four times in a row. I can't just write for an hour straight. But mm -hmm. if I just sit down for 15 minutes, then I can do that. So um, if I'm really doing well, then I can write maybe a thousand. I think my record is a thousand two hundred in fifteen minutes. But yeah, it's really hard for me to to keep that up. But if I just take those small small chunks of time, then I get a lot of words out, and so that lets me do maybe uh, how many times a day? That's like five thousand words a day, and then maybe uh, ten thousand words on a weekend. So you can spit out a book pretty fast if you keep that up. Yeah. No, that, and and that's I, I love you sharing this because you know we tons of writers you know email me and and you know say hey you know I just don't have time I got you know nine kids and a full time job and all those <laughs> things and you know I love I love that idea if you have fifteen minutes you can you know write uh -huh. even if you did one sprint you know seven hundred words yeah. a day I mean that's you know you're that's gonna, so big yeah, yeah it's huge I mean in the end of the year like three hundred sixty five days I mean you're not gonna write every mm -hmm. day but. But yeah, that's, that's a lot of words. And, you know, can you find two sprints or three sprints or four sprints? Um, exactly. My, yep. my friend, um, Armand Rosamilia, he's part of our podcast network and uh, another author and, uh, he, he does 15 minute sprints and he's, yeah, he's about 700 words or so. And, yeah, interesting. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah. And he just, and he kind of weaves them in and out of the day and, you know, his, I think his goal every day is like, you know, a couple thousand words, but he knows exactly how many words he needs to produce per year and how many books he needs to produce. And, he, and it, it just uses that kind of as a metric. Um, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, those short sprints kind of keep you focused too, and keep your energy. Cause I mean, if you've written for any amount of time, you do realize yeah, after like, you know, 40, 50 an hour, you do need a break. You know, you you just kind of lose yeah. some momentum, like get up, go, you know, get some coffee or go to the bathroom or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so Facebook, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just kind of, yeah. Let your brain rest for a second. Um, yep. no, so I love that. I, I just love that attitude. No excuse, you know, get up early, you know, do, do mm -hmm. what you can. Um, you know, and, and before the day job. And so let me ask you this. So, um, I, I don't know, you know, the ins and outs of your work, but I mean, would you say your, your work, is it a creative kind of job or not really? Is it, is it definitely more? Um, it, it can be, it, there's a lot of aspects to the job. Um, I sketched three brackets today. I don't know if that's exciting kind of creative, but, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I had to sketch it before I modeled it, but, um, you have to use your brain. So mm -hmm. there, there is a creative aspect to it, okay. but, um, 
Because I'm always yeah. curious, like some people, you know, their their challenges they they find, you know, with writing if they have a day job is, you know, a lot of times the writing becomes that creative, you know, outlet okay. because their job is not creative at all. You know, it's just right. kind yep. of Excel spreadsheets and you know phone calls and you yeah, know, yeah, plenty keep, of that too. Right, cubicle work, <laughs> right? And I mean, yep. that's why I love I love writing for that reason too. It's it can become the come 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 where you're really you know kind of engaged in that creative side. And then I was like, okay, now I got to go do spreadsheets and sit in a cubicle or whatever it is. But um, no, and, and I think that's, that's an important balance too, that, that, that even though the day job is there and I don't know what your long-term plans are to, you know, just the day job or not, but, but <laughs> it can be done, you know, and, and, right. and if you have a couple hours a day, it's, it's very doable. So, um, so let, let's get into a little bit uh, just around your, your specific process and just kind of, um, I'm always fascinated by the way uh, writers processes evolve too. Uh, is, you know, are you like a hardcore outliner or you just kind of just go for it? Uh, talk a little bit about that. Like, what is your, like your, your, you said like two or three, four hours in the morning. I mean, do you have like an outline right in front of you or you just go for it and then see where it goes and then um, edit, edit as you go. Talk us through that a little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm a little scatterbrained. So by outline, maybe like a couple of lopsided sentences on a piece of paper. Like, mm-hmm. And I can't even put it like there's, I use Scrivener and it has a nice little spot where you can kind of put all of these little blocks for mm-hmm. your story. But I don't really work that way. So if I'm going to outline something, I kind of sketch it out almost. I have these little ideas. Like I have this piece of paper next to me and uh, this girl is going to have tattoo runes on her. So I have all the little runes drawn out. And so for, uh, for example, my, my soul bound series, I have two books out currently and I've just a bazillion planned in that series for 2019, but we'll see how it goes. But I started sketching out like the geography and, and eventually like now each of those books has a commission map for it just because I thought it was fun, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, I, I'm very visual and I need that visual stimulus. So I will have uh, in, either in my head or on paper, I will have some form of, of outline. And that's where the book cover comes in handy for me because I, when I wrote my first book, it was just full of tangents. It didn't stick to the, the, the main storyline that it's mm-hmm. supposed to go. And that becomes a little confusing and hard to manage. And so by having a single thread, that helps me kind of stay focused. So I, I might write a pitch. I might write the blurb. Um, I did a lot of blurb studies before I started writing. So I actually enjoy writing blurbs. I do it um, professionally on, on Fiverr uh, just for a little bit of extra cash I can put into to covers or advertising or whatnot. Uh, so, it, you know, it's, it's very helpful to have that that catch line or catch phrase. Mm-hmm. And so once I have that, then I will sprint it out and I'll keep sprinting until I've exhausted whatever my initial thought was. And then I'll go back. So it's kind of like bouncing back and forth between between those two. I don't have a big, solid outline with bullet points or anything like that. And I've tried that, but that, that just doesn't work for me. So, you know, I just kind of have this back and forth uh, method that works, works the best for me. Mm-hmm. That's great. And then, so talk us a little bit about, um, you you know, as far as editing goes, I mean, are you just go to the end and then edit the whole thing or do you kind of edit as you go? Like what, what is kind of like your first like clean manuscript look like? How do you get there? So my, my sprints are actually, are surprisingly clean. Like my editor is always really surprised. Both editors are, and that's because I have that foundation. So that's where, that's what saves me a lot of time. It took me years to put that foundation in but now when I do a writing sprint, the draft is super, super clean. I have that prose already ingrained into my head of what 
what a sentence is supposed to look like. And mm. I'm supposed to use all the senses. I, I need to describe the sounds and the smells and, you know, I, all of that's already in there. So when, uh, when I'm done, then I just send it to, um, the cheaper editor, you know, I, I don't want to use the dev edit all the time. That that's only if I have a really critical problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm far enough along, I'll know if there's a critical problem, but I'll send it to the cheaper editor who will find just, um, inconsistencies or repetitive words, or, you know, maybe I have a wolf shifter and I called him a panther shifter, you know, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, she'll go through that. It might take her a week or two weeks and depending on our schedule and, and then the book's pretty much done after that. You know, it, it's such a clean draft that I don't have to go and fix a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, talk us through a little bit, kind of what's your next, uh, you know, what does production look like as far as, you know, formatting, you know, ebook, print, all that kind of what, how do you, how do you go about that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, when I first started, let's see, I used, you know, I try, of course I tried to find anything free I could use that was good. Uh, books to, uh, or drafted digital has the, the free formatter. So I used that for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, then I discovered Vellum and Vellum is actually not that expensive. So I, I waited until I had some extra cash and I just made a one-time purchase. Uh, so now I use Vellum and it takes me, uh, I don't know, maybe half an hour to format something. So both for print and for, for ebook, yep. I'm, I'm a little tech savvy, so um, it's, it is pretty user friendly, but maybe for, you can make like one file for both ebook and print. You don't have to make two separate files. So I can do it pretty quickly, but maybe there's a little learning curve there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Formatting goes pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd say Vellum if you're, um, I think, I think they're Mac only right now. I, I don't know if that PC yet, but um, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. There's some uh, PC versions that aren't not Vellum, but similar. Um, yeah. It makes it so much easier. It used to be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I, I used to try to, mm-hmm. Scrivener was okay. It, it can still do it. <laughs> Um, but if you want some kind of, a little bit of customization, a little bit of, looks a little nicer, um, mm-hmm. you know, Scrivener's fine. It's built in, but, uh, no, that's, and, and I think that's what a lot of people need to hear too, is, is, you know, once you kind of have that manuscript, it's been edited and you're going for the formatting. I think that's where people get a little freaked out if they don't have any background or, <laughs> you know, it's really not as difficult as people, uh, think. Yeah, it's, it's there's not. a lot of great tools online, you know, drafted digital has stuff and even Amazon mm-hmm. now, is, you know, has their own. Uh, I, oh, did I? Yeah, okay. I was, well, I was interviewing an author the other day, and actually, she she talked about how, uh, you know, early on, she even did her book covers through through Amazon. They have like a free book editor or creator. Yeah, that thing. I'm familiar with. Yeah, yeah creator thing, and and it was just like she goes, yeah, I know it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the best cover ever, but it, you know, something, and I could at least start there, you know. Right. So, and I think that's important for people to hear, you know, that you don't have to have the, you know, five thousand dollar cover, you know, the first mm-hmm. day. So. Exactly. Uh, and then. Um, Alyssa, t- talk a little bit about kind of your uh, marketing, you know, what's been been helpful for you as far as just getting the word out? What, what, what have you found, you know, how have people found your books? What, what's working for you? What's maybe not working or what are things you want to do as far as marketing goes? So I think you kind of caught me in the middle of my career. So uh, that's, that's something I'm still learning and growing. Um, I make about a thousand a month. I made 2000 last month, but to me that that's not a lot for publishing a book a month, but um, I'm still learning about Facebook ads. I've, I've gotten to where I can get, um, like an eight cent click per, uh, purchase or what is CPC, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, um, Facebook ads, I've tried Facebook ads, AMS ads. Um, I have a reader group, which once I got the reader group established, that actually helped sales kind of start rolling. Uh, definitely the biggest thing I've ever had was, was the book bub features. That was huge. I, I um, got a feature deal for my celestial downfall trilogy 
And uh, that just, I, I had it to the 99 cents for the one day. And then I bumped it up to the 999 um, as soon as I could. And the sales were just incredible for a good six months. So just having that revenue come back in, that really let me do what I wanted to do with all of my books. You know, I'm, I'm a little more extravagant in that I, as you can tell, I, I really like very professional book covers and you know, I, I enjoy just having that quality. Cause for me, it's not really about the money. It's about, I really love making this creation and this product and mm-hmm. I want it to be the best it can be. So if I want to make a little extra money, maybe that's why I'm making my second pen name because I have something that's a little easier to market. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I get the really cheap Facebook ads. So I put my first book up on this other pen name and I already have like 30 pre-orders and it has zero audience. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm not even advertising it. Clearly that market is a lot easier to target mm-hmm. Than, mm-hmm. than what I'm writing. Sure. So I think genre has a lot to do with it and just what kind of audience there is. Cause like I mentioned before, my, my writing and my style is a little more traditional. So reaching that traditional audience that they're probably not in the typical indie Facebook groups and, and things like that, that you can really connect with readers. Cause that, that's what I want to be able to do. I want to be able to connect with my audience and be able to engage with them. And once you get that, I think then your, your sales will be there and your readers will be there and you'll just have this snowball effect. So I've seen that happen to a lot of authors and just finding your audience is the hard part, but once you find it, then you're golden. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that's, you said some really, I think important things as far as, um, you know, kind of knowing what your genre is and knowing, you know, is that a big Mm -hmm. audience? Is that a small audience? Is that, um, because you know, there's always those sub genres within the genre. I mean, if you're fantasy, but if you're young adult or you're, you know, urban fantasy or, you know, high mm-hmm. fantasy or whatever, um, you know, there's different readers and different expectations. And, um, exactly. and I like, I like your strategy of just thinking outside the box and saying, well, Hey, maybe I'll start another pen name or do something that's a little more marketable. Um, mm-hmm. I just did an episode last week about, you know, other ways to fund your writing that even has nothing to do with writing. Um, or it could be different kind of writing. You know, you talked about, yeah. you know, uh, doing book descriptions for Fiverr, you know, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. little, little ways to say, Hey, that, that puts some more money back into the business and, and, you know, to market or to make a better cover or, you know, just being creative, being outside the box, you know, until you do find your, you know, we talk about the, you know, thousand true fans, you know, that want to buy everything you have. And, and, uh, but yeah, once you find those people, you can start, you know, getting some good sales. And, um, and I think too, uh, you know, just like you were saying, experimenting, you know, trying different genres, seeing what, you know, maybe, maybe there's something else you want to write in and, and you go, Oh, mm-hmm. I really, really enjoy this. Um, because I, I think a lot of people think like, well, I, you know, well, I'm fantasy. That's all I can ever be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, stretching yourself, challenging yourself saying, no, but I'd really love to write a mystery or I'd love to write a thriller or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that keeps, you know, like you said, it's, it's that joy of creation and, um, you know, seeing your product out there and, and the making of the thing is, is also a gift too. It's not just, you know, if, if a million people buy your book or, or the money that, you know, comes in. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, so, uh, as we, uh, kind of get to the end of the, interview Alyssa I'd love to just hear kind of a couple couple thoughts um as far as you know we have all kinds of all kinds of listeners you know starting out uh writers people curious about writing people have been written you know many books Um, Mm -hmm. but what would just be you know so far in your writing you know journey career what you know what advice would you give to to writers that are that are kind of thinking about writing or already writing you know what encouragement could you kind of share with them right now Well, uh, there are so many different journeys. And I think if you're in a writing community, all you're going to see are the instant successes or the 
10-year overnight successes, as I call them, you're not going to see the people that are still struggling. And you know, those people are quiet. You know, that's why you're not seeing them. So I think every journey is going to be unique. You need to first understand why you want to write and make sure you're doing something that you love. Because I'll tell you right now, doing writing full-time and a full-time job is really, really hard. But I love both things in my life. And this is a season of my life that I'm, I'm really, really busy, but I really enjoy it. So understanding that you need to find your audience and you need to find your passion, those are two important points of foundation. And then you can go and just don't be afraid to fail and just try different things and see what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Because what works for me is not necessarily going to work for you. And that's just the name of the game. It's, it's a very interesting field to be in. And I really like how diverse it is. No, and I think that's, that's wonderful because, you know, people don't realize like every writer fails. I mean, there's every, mm-hmm. there's, there's stories, there's books that just don't work or they just flop or whatever. But, you know, I think that's where a lot of writers end up, you know, leaving, um, leaving the game. You know, I, I uh, we were, we were talking the other day with someone and, you know, all these, a lot of indie writers got some really big success at the beginning of kind of ebook, you know, the ebook revolution. And, <laughs> you know, you just kind of threw stuff out there and, you know, 99 cents and just, you know, a million sales and, and now right. and those, that's what you always hear. Yeah. And a lot of those writers aren't around, you know, because I think they mm-hmm. had a few, you know, flops and they're just like, well, forget this. I'll just exactly. Oh, this else. is hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And, and yeah, I love your long-term attitude. I think, and, and yeah, failure is part of learning and failure is not, that's not that it doesn't define you. You know, it's like, you have mm-hmm. to try stuff to find the good stuff, you know, and yeah. no, that's great. Um, so Alyssa, tell us, uh, kind of what, I know you just mentioned, why don't you remind us, I know you just had a, a bunch of books that are coming out, um, and then kind of what's coming out, uh, after the first of the year, if anything's in the, in the queue, if you will. Okay. Well, uh, for the AJ fans, uh, most of them are looking forward to the relaunch of the Celestial Downfall and the new books coming out in the Soulbound series. Um, so I have plenty and plenty of books planned. Um, my website, I have a, a blog post that kind of highlights all of the series that I have and what are coming out. So that's aj-flowers.com is my website and it has all my links there. So, sure. yep. And so aj-flowers uh, is the best place to find you, social media, all that good stuff, newsletter, whatnot. Uh, yeah. So I have a Facebook fan group. Uh, so you can find, you can find that through uh, my website and I have a mailing list, you know, so yeah, you can find me. No problem. <laughs> Well, great. Well, hey, Alyssa, this has been a, such a, a, a privilege. Thank you for coming on the show. You helped a, a ton of re, a ton of writers today uh, <laughs> with all your uh, sharing of your wisdom and inspiration. And, and hey, it's so great to hear things are going so well. Thanks for, for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Well, there you have it. Prolific Writer Nation, AJ Flowers, aka Alyssa Flowers. Thank you, AJ, Alyssa, for coming on the show. And I hope you took a lot of notes and I hope that you're inspired. I hope you're encouraged uh, to just remember that the day job is not the deal killer for your writing, for your creativity, for getting those words on the page, for getting those books out in the world and sharing your message. And, uh, and, and majority of writers, I, I think we were under this misnomer that, you know, if, if we have a day job, we can't, you know, do creative work and we can't share our work and, and, and it doesn't make you less of a writer. And hopefully you hear that. Hopefully you know that. Hopefully you embrace that. Um, and a lot of us like our day jobs. And so it's not that, 
you know, we couldn't leave the day job, but we actually enjoy it. And I, I think Alyssa is one of those too. Um, and, and likes the work that she gets to do and it gets to do, you know, also right too. So, so be encouraged, uh, go check out Alyssa's work, AJ flowers, uh, fantasy novels and get on her mailing list and check out her work. And, um, you're going to enjoy uh, her stuff. And so, so go check that out. Hey, as I mentioned earlier, uh, go check out the Patreon page. If you'd like to support this show, like to support the shows on the project entertainment network, some, a lot of cool swag and stories and other cool stuff on there. Go check that out, put that in the show notes. And then as always, if, if you get a chance, leave a rating or review on iTunes uh, and just say, Hey, thanks. I like the show five stars or one star. I think it's garbage. Wh- whatever. We, we appreciate an honest uh, review helps us get the word out, helps us get more ears on the show. And, and we, we are here to serve, and to get more ears on the show so we can help more writers and uh, help them get more words on the page. And so, so thank you so much for listening in this week. We got a lot of great uh, episodes coming. I got a really special one coming next week that I'm not going to reveal just yet, but it's our two year anniversary show and I'm going to do something really cool. And so hopefully you'll enjoy that and hopefully it'll help you um, in your craft, in your writing journey. So, Hey, this is Ryan J. Pelton from the prolific writer. I just have one more thing to say and That is, go get those words on the page, and I'll talk to you real, real soon. Every person's story has something to teach us, how others view life, how obstacles are overcome, how joy is felt, how fears are faced, how love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives, and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. Have you tried finding tickets for any live event lately? It's impossible to keep up, and prices are crazy. That's why you have to check out Gold Star. Gold Star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant access to awesome events and special ticket deals. Concerts, live theater, comedy, dance, food fests, immersive experiences. You name it, Gold Star has access to special deals you won't find anywhere else with savings of 50% or more. Go to goldstar.com and use code DCPOD to save $10 on your first purchase. That's goldstar.com, code DCPOD, to save $10.